Hi there, this is Alvin, and welcome to the Kickstarter Commerce Podcast, where we share search marketing and domain investing strategies to help grow your business. In today's episode, our guest is Michael Gargiolo, a longtime domain investor and developer and serial entrepreneur. Today, Michael and I confront how domain investors are one frivolous lawsuit or baseless claim away from their domain registrar locking their digital assets. We speak briefly about the case of GoDaddy locking Brent Oxley's multi-million dollar portfolio of ultra premium domains simply by a bad actor filing a baseless lawsuit in India. And of course, Michael shares actionable insight towards reducing and eliminating the risk of litigation lockups of domain portfolios, including which domain registrars are domain investor and domain broker friendly. Lastly, we talk about the future, the credibility hit, and the monetary losses that both domain owner and domains of such frivolous lawsuits or baseless claims might face. But before we dive into all of this, a few days after this recording, Domain Name Wire reported that GoDaddy will no longer indiscriminately lock domains when they are subject to a legal challenge. In a statement on March the 17th, 2021, GoDaddy GM and VP of Aftermarket, Paul Nix states the following. As we reviewed our policies and procedures, our goal was to do what's right for our domain investors and to protect the industry from domain theft. Your domain names need to be accessible and sellable. We get it. To be clear, this isn't just about Brent's issue. It's about the long-term health of the aftermarket. The aftermarket has changed in the last 20 years and our long-standing policy needed to address these changes. Frankly, we needed to evolve with the times. After many discussions with outside experts, lawyers, and trade groups, we believe we found the right balance. The new solution allows domain investing businesses to proceed while having robust anti-theft measures. Moving forward, when we are notified of a legal dispute between two parties, we will not lock domains by default as we have previously done. We will review each notification and reserve the right to impose a 30-day interim hold, in part to help protect against improper domain flight until a court order is obtained by the complainant. If a court order has not been received within 30 days of implementing a hold, then we will remove the hold. While we can't guarantee we can stop all abuse of our system, we will use the best efforts and multiple layers of review to root out potential bad actors. As this rolls out, please let me know if you hear of any issue the new policy is raising. We'll continue to listen to your feedback and review our policies to ensure they do what's right for the domain investor community while still maintaining anti-theft practices. And so with that statement from GoDaddy and Paul Nix, without further ado, let's dive in today's show. Michael, welcome and thank you for making time to join us today. Alvin, thank you for having me, and I'm excited about this show. Very excited about that. Yeah, man, it's been a while. It's been a long time since I left you without a dope <laughs> beat to step to. So says Aaliyah, I think. Um, that just shows <laughs> my age right okay. there. That literally just shows my age right there. But no, man, so it's been, I think we did a show. Matter of fact, it was back in June of 2020. A matter of fact, uh, to be exact, it was June 20th. 2020, where we talked about protecting your domain portfolio against taxes, death, divorce, partnerships. And today's show, uh, I think we need to add to that and domain registrars. 
And so obviously, I think things have, uh, we were talking about taxes, death, divorce, partnerships. I never would have thought we'd probably do a yet another show. And it focused on, you could actually lose your whole entire portfolio or rather have it locked by a domain registrar. And in this case, who's caught in the crosshairs today is none other than GoDaddy. So, I mean, kind of help fill in our listeners to a bit of what what has transpired over the last couple of weeks uh, in regards to Brent Oxley and his uh, portfolio. Let's talk about, you know, the types of domains that are that are being locked down and why. Yeah, Alvin. Well, there's there's a bit to unpack there. The I think situation going to your first point here, you know, that domain owners are, I think, more aware of uh, in the last month, you know, is the idea of litigation risk. What happens when somebody, you know, mentions your name in a lawsuit? GoDaddy obviously has their own policy. Every registrar has their own policy about how to to manage that. And Brent's particular case, and, and Brent is a longtime client of ours. We worked on several deals with him in 19, 20, and 21. We were made aware of this all, one year ago, literally this month. And that was because we were working on a deal with, with Francois Carrillo, uh, the owner of, of domaining.com for encrypt.com. Brent was buying that name from Francois. Anyway, the risk that uh, we ran into is somebody out of India had sued Brent under the guise of, you know, basically that he hadn't paid commissions on 25 domains that Brent had in his portfolio. And as everyone I'm sure listening to this show knows, Brent is one of the largest, if not the largest buyer of domains in North America. His portfolio worth, you know, north of $30 million in, in my opinion. So, you know, if this is, can happen to Brent in a way where 25 of his names, approximately $10 million in names, were automatically locked by GoDaddy because of a suit out of India. And um, that suit was delivered to GoDaddy and Brent and myself in Hindi. So um, GoDaddy triggered these locks off, you know, a non-English document without any English supported evidence. And um, there's a couple posts out there, which I'm sure we can get linked up in the, in the description, but it goes into James breaking down. Um, James Names is, is the blog who broke the story, but they break down the documents that we received and that they were in a complete another language. So the risk, unfortunately, is that domainers are now exposed to litigation really in any jurisdiction and in any language. And as long as those documents get to GoDaddy um, or your registrar, and they have a policy that says they can lock the names. In fact, GoDaddy can lock the names for any reason or no reason at all. Uh, and I spoke to multiple senior employees at GoDaddy, and they basically said the same thing. You know, look, our terms of service allow us to do that. And we, um, you know, we've chose to continue doing that in the case of Brent's name. And it's just unfortunate that we couldn't have found a resolution a year ago because now it's boiled into something that I think is going to infect the entire industry. If GoDaddy doesn't find its way to, you know, an amicable solution that that protects owners from this type of frivolous litigation. So then let's take a step back then. So because we've got a couple of players that are here and to kind of help listeners out. So Brent Oxley. So Brent is today as we know it a domain investor but i guess prior to that now he was the founder of hostgator i believe correct yeah brent was the founder of hostgator and in fact started another company create.com 
um, and, and unfortunately that domain is locked through this situation now. Uh, so he's got kind of another business that's been impacted by this in addition to his domain investing business. But yes, uh, to answer your question to both of those. Um, Gotcha. So then we got Brent Oxley that's here that has, like you said, uh, I guess 25 domains that are locked down. Now you have yourself also representing VPN.com. So I guess now, how does this relationship work out in terms of your relationship with, with Brent or, or your companies together? Yeah. So, you know, we, we lo almost lost the deal, you know, because there, there was a, a lock in place with the domain um, that Brent was basically, we were purchasing um, Encrypt for Brent through Francois. And then there was two additional domains that Francois was going to be acquiring from Brent as well. This transaction was nearly killed because those two additional names were included in the locks that GoDaddy placed. So we were in a really difficult position as a broker because, you know, the deal was basically being ruined. We had an agreement on both sides, but it was dying because another party, the registrar said that those domains are not eligible to be a part of your deal right now. Um, and, and that's where this situation really allowed, you know, us to kind of speak to Amon, CEO at GoDaddy, Paul Nix, uh, Justin Redman. I mean, we had worked for months on Brent's behalf to figure out, okay, you know, what what exactly is going on here? Um, we didn't even know until probably 45, almost 60 days later, what the documents in Hendy actually said. Uh, and neither did GoDaddy. That's the whole kind of crazy thing. The documents were served in a language which we, you know, we get them and we're like, okay, okay. you know, all we can read is literally the domain name. There's no English contracts. There's nothing that supports, you know, Brent, you know, there's some arrangement or contract between him and this individual who, who sue, is also suing GoDaddy, um, mind you. He's suing Brent and he's suing GoDaddy. It's, it's just a real, just out there situation. And um, this individual, through our discussion with GoDaddy, actually has a history of um, this type of behavior in terms of cyber squatting um, and in terms of uh, uh, GoDaddy's legal department being aware of, of him explicitly uh, because of previous interactions that were around the same issue. So he knows GoDaddy's policy. He knows that when you file this, this litigation, um, really any litigation that says this, your domains are locked and, and Brent's kind of held hostage as a result. So that brings the, the introduction of the third party, which uh, Indian-based uh, person who uh, now, I guess now, do, does this person, did they ever have a contract with you or is, has it just strictly been with Brent? They, they haven't had a contract with either of us. In fact, um, when this situation broke, you know, there, there were demands from the community at NamePros um, and then also from Brent himself to you know, show, show us what contract you have. There was no contract attached in the Indian litigation. Uh, we have no contract at all um, with this person. We've never done a deal with this person before. Uh, and two of the names that were of the 25 names that he listed were domains that we previously closed for Brent, which made it even more peculiar because in those transactions, escrow.com verified the buyer, the seller, and the broker for detect.com, which we brokered for Brent, cia.com, which we brokered for Brent. And then this guy, this random broker over here is saying, no, that was my transaction. I was supposed to be paid, which is 
I think a very big risk for brokers too. You know, now this is, this is a bad look for brokers because if somebody else can just come into your deal and say that, Hey, I was supposed to be paid as a part of your deal. Right. And now trigger that person's name to be locked. You can see how, you know, people acting in bad faith can, can abuse that, that policy that GoDaddy has in place. Um, GoDaddy probably mean, you know, they, I believe they do mean well, but they're caught in the middle of a, of a difficult situation. And yeah, yeah, they're caught in the middle of a uh, massive loophole, what it seems like, because because at least I kind of hearing things uh, from you kind of doing a little reading of my own. I'm looking and saying, well, shoot, if this is a case and I insert myself, remove the third party uh, person that's based in India. But I'm like, well, if shoot, if if Michael farts or breathes in a way that I don't like and Brent sneezes, I can then just sue. Now, obviously, anybody can sue, uh, but it doesn't mean that they're going to win. But in this case, it's like I don't really have to have legitimacy by any stretch of the imagination. It's just a matter of I don't like you and I'm just going to tie this thing right on up in the litigation. And because of that, your domains get locked. And that means you can't do a dang thing about it. That's, you know, that's uh, a large part of it. There's a, there's two other pieces here that make this even worse, Alvin. It, number one is that is the case in any jurisdiction in the world. So we basically saw this come out of the equivalent of a state court in, in a province of India, okay? That state court would be like, you know, your state court in Texas, okay? Right. So he goes there, you know, files this claim, and mind you, in, in India, the average litigation there from start to finish takes like eight to 10 years. So he's nice. in a jurisdiction where he knows the resolution is just, it's not a favorable terms. And the problem is, to your point, the second part is you don't have to have any evidence. You know, as long as those names are mentioned and the domains are subject, that, and that was what GoDaddy repeatedly, look, the domains are subject per our terms of service. We lock the domains until the litigation is resolved. And that gives the all the power to, to you know, a hostage settlement. Now, basically is what owners are going to be held in because if somebody like Brent can face this, you know, any one of us could, you know, and it might not even be a person. It might be a, a, a competitor. You know, in our case at VPN, we're banned in over a dozen countries. I mean, this, this gives me worry because what if, you know, China, who doesn't like VPNs, they, they, you know, decide, hey, we're going to see you in China. I, I can't go to China. I would be arrested and, and God knows what would happen if I stepped foot over there. So, you know, and then they just freeze my domain. And, and that's just kind of going back to your point here. It, it becomes this Facebook, Twitter, Parler, Amazon. We're going to interpret in our own opinion because we have the right to through our terms of service and we'll make the decision. And if we decide that we're going to cancel your domain, your domain is going to be canceled and, and we'll, we will be the ones who handle the foreclosure and we will be the ones who resell it. And we will be the one whose funds are transferred to once the auction is complete, which is how, you know, GoDaddy basically operates now with a lot of the auctions and, and back orders and, and things of this nature. You know, they handle, they, they monetize that process and that gets in even a whole nother sticky part of this where if, if God forbid they were to cancel the domain, they're going to be the one making the money from the resale of it, you know, right. and that that's just a, that's just a very tough place to be in a situation like this. And, you know, a year into it, you would have just hoped GoDaddy would have shown more 
empathy to one of the largest investors in our conversations than, than I think they have. And I, I still believe there's an amicable solution to this here, but I, I don't know. I don't know, Alvin. It, there's a reason why this story is one of the largest stories on name pros ever. You know, so, it, let, so, so let me ask you this, because there's a whole lot of questions flying in my mind about this. And, and so one of the first is, so with the domains locked, so let's say out of the 25, expiration passes on one of these things. What happens? Uh, does it still auto renew? I'm assuming that it does, but like what happens in this case, or do we even know what may happen? So I was talking to Brent yesterday about this exactly. He, he's concerned that renewal won't take place. Um, GoDaddy, I do believe, would not engage in making this a bigger situation um, by renewing the name, still allowing them to be in his account. So their terms of service give them the ability to do whatever they want, Alvin. That's the, that's the difficult part to really wrap your brain around. I mean, just like Facebook can come in and, and, and cancel the president, you know, basically GoDaddy can come in and, and you know, cancel anything. Everything. And, and Brent, you know, he supports the Second Amendment. He's got his ranch. He has wildlife preservation and, and hunting aspects and tanks on his ranch. And that might not necessarily align with the culture of GoDaddy that, that you know, is, is a bit more left-leaning, which is they're both are fine and legal. Nothing's wrong with either one of them. But that influence of cancel culture and now, you know, interpretation risk by these, these registrars, it's something that owners have to be aware of and, and, and be, you know, just more eye open to because it's, it's happening people. Right. Day. So then, so obviously, so we don't know what may happen. Obviously we hope that these things, if any, any one of the 25 that are locked, uh, come up for renewal, obviously they get renewed, but if not, then we got a whole different situation on our hands of domains possibly going into expired auction and being lost forever. It is an ugly case, but a case that should they not be renewed, that is very much a reality. That being said, though, so with it locked, are you able to update uh, name servers, DNA, any of that stuff or no? You can't, you can't change um, the name servers. You cannot change accounts within GoDaddy, which was another solution we offered. We said, okay, um, allow us to transfer to a, a, a willing buyer that has an account at GoDaddy. If they waive the right, you know, hey, it's, it's, it's under lawsuit, we'll accept this risk in our transaction. They right. wouldn't let us do that. You can't do anything. I don't even think you can change uh, the who is or add privacy. Um, when a domain is locked in that way. And, you know, they have the right to lock any name. They have the right to review any situation. Uh, I, I just would have thought a review of the situation would have, you know, there's, there's no evidence for GoDaddy to do what they've done. And, and now when you have a company start involving themselves in legal matters where, you know, a domain is mentioned, it's just like, oh, you know, your ex-wife uh, who hates you and knows you own a bunch of domains, she's going to put this in this lawsuit over here, which has, yeah, just a little bit of merit. But now that those domains are mentioned in it, you, you've got nothing. You know, you, you've got a frozen portfolio is what you've got. So, you know, whether it's upset people, brokers, ex-wives, companies, competitors, you know, this risk can kind of be mended and melded in which way to abuse the process, which, you know, people are doing um this this is it's not like it's not a what if this is <laughs> happening certainly and so in, in terms of the the domains that are in question here obviously it was it was stated in uh 
in James's names, or James names, say that fast five times.com. <laughs> My goodness. Um, that the, the domains that are in question are basically in question because they this person deems that they should have received a commission if not for Brent supposedly breaching contract. Now, when I read something like this, and maybe it's just common sense to me. I don't know. Maybe it's just I'm just simple this way. But I look and say, okay, there are seven domains, CIA.com, Drone.com, Item.com, Valentine.com, Bride.com, Hybrid.com, Athlete.com. Somewhere down the line, my mind tells me, wait a minute, guys, let's let's back things up. At some point, Brent bought these. Great. We should have some sort of paper transaction to, to, to verify if he used escrow or, you know, whomever he used. Obviously, you could probably verify that. Well, in the same instance, I'm like, well, if this person supposedly sold the domains, number one, we should be able to go back to look at the the who is history, obviously, just to even see if anything got transacted or anything was updated. Now, obviously, there's there's going to be some holes to poke there, but all things being equal, you could use that. But then there are also, as I'm just kind of alluding to and keep pointing back to, like, there ought to be a contract somewhere. I don't care if that's in a text message, a voicemail, something, this third person ought to be able to show hey, this is my legitimate evidence, as should Brent be able to show from the other side of, well, no, it didn't happen. And the last transaction that took place on this was this day and the who is was updated. But yeah. I'm not even seeing any of that stuff happen here. Yeah, well, th- there's there's a couple pieces to that. Number one, most of these transactions happen through escrow.com, right? So, you know, with escrow.com, as we all know, you know, escrow has the know your customer verification that you go through. They authenticate the buyer, they authenticate the seller, and they authenticate any brokers that are involved. So out of the gate, you know, when a transaction's on escrow and even GoDaddy's escrow service or other major brokerages like Uniregistry, they'll verify those people. And that's right. what happened in these instances um, with these domains. That's how Brent acquired them. You know, I can speak and attest to detect CIA, we handled those through escrow ourselves as Brent's broker, okay? So there was nobody in that transaction named Puneet, who's the individual who is, you know, bringing this up. You know, another one Brent and I found just really, just not, not making any sense was viaje.com. That one was actually acquired by Brent through Uniregistry, okay? So, you know, it's just strange that if Brent bought this through what is now a GoDaddy company, you know, and this guy is saying that he's owed commissions on this name that clearly didn't get processed through this guy, right. uh, you know, GoDaddy, at what point does GoDaddy have enough to say like, okay, there, there's just insufficient detail here to, to permit locks to be, you know, ongoing. Um, you know, I understand looking into it more to see these things, but if this is how easy it is, if this is all you need to 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 just stop the the value of the asset, I mean, this is the, the ten. I mean, I can go out and make a claim against VPN then. I, 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 you know, I mean, it's it's sad to say out of my mouth, but I mean, you know, <laughs> maybe maybe I just did tell on myself. Maybe us domainers <laughs> have you know made it. Maybe we've made this scam 
the, the secret's out, Alvin. I right. mean, people people know how to do this, and if people know you, you've got domain names. Um, you know, this is this is a way to get leverage. Um, right. Unless GoDaddy doesn't change their that changes their policy or or has something in there to protect owners from this type of frivolous engagement, it's it's not a good it's not a good look for anybody, especially the future value values of our names at GoDaddy or even just anywhere in the industry. It's not a good look for the industry. So then let me ask you this. Is there a timeline? These names have been locked up, I guess, with no ETA of knowing no. when things are no. going to be unlocked or what the next steps are. India, no, it has, the settlement has to come from India. So, that, so we have to receive papers from the Indian court that it's been, dis, it's been withdrawn or dismissed. That's GoDaddy's position. But hold up. Didn't you just say earlier on in this conversation that most cases in India take 10 years? And you, you kind of see why, you know, the, the jurisdiction is even complicating this more. You know, it's, it's holding Brent even more hostage because he knows. And in India, and this is nothing against, you know, people from India uh, or the country itself, but India's legal system isn't exactly, you know, uh, free and clear of, of, of corruption. You know, I mean, we've got corruption here in America. I'll, I'll, right. I'll admit to, you know, having <laughs> seen that, seen that before other situations play out, you know, we've all seen that, but when it, it's amplified in a jurisdiction like India, it's why uh, there's really no leverage that an owner has anymore, because now it's just completely hostage to the jurisdiction. Right. And I was about to say to to that end, though, it, it really doesn't even matter location now, because at this point, the only way to even get expediency is likely extradition. And, and that's, you know, that's another option. I mean, Brent's Brent's the criminality here, whether that be from this individual or how it's impacted his his assets is, you know, now rising to the point where that's going to have to be factored into. But the extradition only even if Brent did get a ruling from a judge that this guy was, a, you know, this was abusive litigation. It doesn't mean anything because the guy's not a U.S. citizen and he's not in the U.S. So unless he steps foot in America or gets extradited. GoDaddy's just like, okay, we're looking for our settlement. And until then, you know, there's not anything that we, we are going to do. And I don't blame them for taking a position to review a situation, but that's just terrible. I mean, that just forces owners into a terrible, terrible position of protecting their, their assets because now anybody can do this. You know, uh, I mean, I just go down to my courthouse. I can file a small claims court case, send it to GoDaddy and you're, you know, your name is locked. That's crazy. So, so then for the cost of, of a Chick-fil-A lunch, somebody can go file, I guess in this case, that's what it wound up being. I think it, I think I read somewhere where it said it was like $11 and 28 cents, uh, that this, this file was claimed for, which is like 800 plus rupees. So this person filed this claim equivalent to the state's doggone Chick-fil-A sandwich or something, or a combo. I had then, Chick-fil-A today, and I love yes. <laughs> I, I I love Chick-fil-A, but <laughs> man, in this case, with this filing claim, I'm like, dang the Chick-fil-A sandwich on this, because to a certain extent, I'm like, man, for what it actually cost most domain investors to buy a domain, someone made this claim. 
And what it smells like, this is me not putting words in your mouth or Brent's mouth, but I'm like, man, reading this and reading all the comments through name pros, this smells like a bit like extortion. Um, if if I had to to deem it. Now, obviously, there are so many other other things. Obviously, there's Brent's side, there's your side, there's this other third party person side, and then there's GoDaddy that still has to come in and, and state, you know, their their standpoint in this. Now, what what's probably most troubling, though, with this to, to me is what is going on? Because Brent has premium and ultra premium names. So in terms of offers that are being made, like he can't do anything. Yeah, we we um, we're just in a very tough situation here. Like I mentioned with those previous names, with with that, that was nearly a million dollar deal. You know, the the value of other names that are in you know uh, his portfolio that have been offered, that's going to make up probably approaching three to four million dollars, if I had to guess now, of offers that I know we've talked about on the names that are locked. So. You know, going back, you know, I was I was visiting him at his ranch. This was probably, uh, goodness, three or four months ago. And there's been a couple of offers since. But, you know, we, we never wanted to to be disruptive to GoDaddy. In fact, we never wanted to make this an issue with GoDaddy. GoDaddy is a great company in this space. has brought a lot of uh, awareness to domains in the industry. But, you know, their terms of service now is getting... It's 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 getting in the way of millions of dollars of deals um, wow. and and multiple people and you know involved in that and thankfully we we managed to find a solution to that particular deal when we were facing that we learned about all of this a year ago but there have been other deals along the way that we haven't been able to do with Brent because of this you know it's just unfortunate when you see deals that you've done with him names that you could potentially resell for him and that's our job as a broker and it's just you know it's it's influenced by the interpretation of you know a frivolous lawsuit and it's just like what do you do you know you can't you don't want to i don't want to sue GoDaddy. brent doesn't want to sue GoDaddy, but the damages now are are, are are so much it's just like how does the industry keep its keep its keep the value intact otherwise this is just this is just for everyone to do now now how does I now how does ICA so the Internet Commerce Association how do they play a role into this? I, I would have hoped they would have played uh, a role into this. As far as I'm aware, I haven't seen anybody from the ICA get something meaningful in there. Now there could be a threat somewhere on Name Pros or James Names that you know speaks to this, but I would have hoped, being really the primary organization that protects domain investors, they would have had you know a louder voice in in what's going on here. And I understand that this, this is probably some of the biggest breaking news the industry's had uh, in, in, in months, if not years, uh, ab- about the risk that owners face. But yeah, I mean, you know, if the ICA doesn't step in and say this is wrong or this needs, this needs reform, it really has been left up to ICANN and ICANN is going to defer back down to the registries and it, it, you know, it's, it's a circle, you know, the, the, right. the terms of service allow them to do it. So there's really no, there's no way to, to wiggle into a different defensive protection of your position. And that's, that's something I would hope, you know, I'd hope Nat Cohen or, or Zach Muscovich, you know, somebody would, would, would speak out about this. Uh, it just so happens Paul Nix, who's, you know, very senior at GoDaddy, he's on the board of the ICA. So there might be, <laughs> You know, there might be that influence, too, from them that that might be playing a factor. But, you know, I I don't know about that. 
Gotcha. Because I, because like I said, I mean, I, I think I may have have seen something or another that was um, that the ICA may have uh, spoken out on. Um, and if so, I like I said, yeah, I let's get that up. I don't want to be. Uh, I, I don't want to be accurate to anybody, but yeah, I think it may have been uh, Zach, actually. Really? Yeah, I'm wondering. Um, I I like Zach a lot. Um, yes. Such. I just pulled up uh well and so it's it's an interesting thing so on march 7th so paul nix puts out a, a a thread of tweets here and in the first one it says a new statement on recent domain locking first off we've been listening and understand the concerns of the community this is not something we are ignoring in fact in the last 36 hours we have been yeah we've been having some serious discussions about our policies processes and ultimately how we can better serve our customers while protecting everyone's legal rights. We have already engaged ICA domains and other industry experts to determine if there are any changes we should and could make. Uh, as we make progress, we will keep the community posted. And then last but not least, it says for Mr. Oxley specifically, I want you to know that no domain will be deleted. Uh, consistent with our policy, we have paid, we have paid for renewals and will continue to pay for renewals as necessary we're keeping them safe and leaving them up and running so to a certain extent while that's not an official message on the the godaddy uh letterhead there is some i mean we do see some some light at the end of the tunnel if a glimmer now what has me probably so that kind of answers my questions about the whole renewal thing to a certain extent the other thing is i am glad to know that they are engaging ica into all of this but but here's what's most interesting to me now i guess there there's another registrar and i'm assuming that this is it must be name cheap that this same thing tried to happen and name cheap took a different route yeah, I mean, and this is where the power of the terms of service plays a factor. You know, Namecheap is where we recommended Brent move, you know, a lot of his names that were at GoDaddy, and he did that for most of the portfolio that wasn't locked. But, you know, this kind of let us file a lawsuit and, and send it to the registrar. Um, you know, it's not just GoDaddy. Um, I think GoDaddy's getting a lot of heat here because the situation is involving GoDaddy names. Mm. But, you know, it just so happened they're the registrar in this situation in the crosshair. This is every registrar, you know, and, and, and the registrar is the one who forecloses or processes a cancellation or, you know, a resale. So, you know, yeah, that is something that people need to be more cognizant of is, is the registrar. Namecheap is... I would say a bit more favorable to domain owners and uh, not as involving uh, when it comes to, you know, litigation, they, they don't necessarily step in and say, Oh, you know, we need to involve ourselves and make a decision on, on the transferability of this lock. Now, if they get a court order, then yes, they'll follow that. But, you know, unless a court has ordered something, you know, that's, that's a bit different of a situation with them than GoDaddy. And is that, I'm assuming then that's a U.S. court order. Well, uh, we also learned that that is one route. You can you can have a U.S. court order, um, but if the case is going on, if there's litigation in another jurisdiction, that order involving the names would need to come from that judge in that jurisdiction. Meaning, you know, if if they've got the suit in India, 
you can't you can't go to a, a, a court in France. You can't go to, to American court to resolve the suit in India. It's got to come from the Indian court, um, which is, you know, that's where the owner really gets boxed in. Now they got to subject themselves, you know, that now they're subjected to every which jurisdiction in the world, you know, Azerbaijan. I, I don't, I, you know, I don't know the laws there, but, you know, someone could say, hey, you're breaking it, this domain and show up in Azerbaijan. Okay. You know, whoa, that's just, it's scary. This is eye-opening for a lot of people. And yeah, maybe I am oversimplifying some of the, some of the, the history here, but I mean, this is a year into the making folks, you know, this is uh, multiple emails to Amon, multiple emails to, to, you know, GoDaddy's legal team to, to assist with this and they're, they're, they're just gonna keep them locked, which I hope after a review, you know, I know Paul put in there, he, he's gonna take a week. I would be shocked if, if, you know, they come back and completely unlock his names. I think that would be the proper thing to do for avoidance of future liability from, you know, by the registrar. But if not, you know, Brent's got no remedy. I mean, there's just, there's nothing left but to, to just make a mess of this. And who knows where the, where the, the industry would take it from there. So so let me ask this then cuz this is this is my boggling because I look at you here on one hand we have GoDaddy who has locked well, let's just say the universe at this point um for 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 Brent especially but then we have Namecheap where the same third party person out of India tried to do the same thing one locks, one says we're not touching it until there is a correct legal requirement to do so. Now, I mean, that's just mind boggling. What is that legal requirement? I mean, is it because from GoDaddy standard, it's just like I could probably uh, have a text message and call that a legal bonding document and go file it. It, it happens, they lock versus I go to Namecheap with this kind of nonsense and they're like, yeah, we're not doing that. So, so like, where's the legality? Like, what is the legal uh, document? in their terms of service. I mean, GoDaddy can wake up tomorrow and feel this way about you or one of your names. And this is the action they take. And you basically, you know, by agreeing to host names there, we're on that, we're on that bandwagon. And, and they have a pretty, I would say, defensible position to take that action they're permitted to do that in the short term um, i would say when that becomes elongated and drawn out and 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 abuse might be a bit more apparent after that that's where the terms of service starts really getting pushing the envelope of, of causing damages and um it's not that's the route they choose to take their terms of service. Namecheap chooses to take a bit different. They require, um, to my understanding, if the same suit had been filed, but there had been evidence, like a contract, a contract was mentioned multiple times in the Hindi suit, but there was no contract. Um, and we've called for it publicly on NamePros, but Puneet, you know, just doesn't have it to post. You know, NamePros kind of saw through it. Okay, we, we got this suit here with no evidence, we have to we have to interpret this somehow to protect our customers, and they interpret that in a different way than GoDaddy does. So uh, that means something to owners. That means something to Brent. That means something to me. And I hope GoDaddy finds their way to a similar position that that doesn't instill the fear of God. You know, people losing their portfolios in this way, uh, the way I think the situation has. So this is interesting. So shoot, man, 
throw it back to our, our conversation a year ago where we were talking about protecting domain portfolios against taxes and death and divorce and partnerships and shoot. Now this adds a whole new wrinkle into it. The in terms of jurisdiction risk. I mean, that's just, yeah. I mean, it's, it's basically, you know, the equivalent of, of a slip and fall on our property. You know, so anybody can go into a store and say they tripped and fell and then they can open a lawsuit, you know, and as we've learned with this, anybody anywhere can do so, that and your title's at risk now. So domain. then do we know of, I guess, registrars that are domain or domain investor friendly in, in regards to this specific issue? Yeah, I mean, Namecheap um, is the one that we've we've recommended uh, on multiple occasions. Richard is a great founder. He still runs it over at Namecheap. They've been around for 21 years. Uh, another great one is Epic. Rob Monster and his team do a great job of, I would say, being more protective of the rights of owners. Epic just went through that whole situation with Parler and Amazon right. canceling Parler. Long story short, they moved the domains to Epic for basically similar cancel culture-esque, you know, frivolous litigation-esque reasons. And uh, yeah, I, you know, those are probably going to mitigate most of the risk here um, for the time being until, you know, th there's going to be, th th this risk is going to evolve, unfortunately, into other things, other abuses. So I think even just a short-term policy change might not really be the long-term fix here, Alvin. Right. Well, well, it certainly, it raises the question of a policy procedure, you know, because to a certain extent, it's like, well, if something can just frivolously be locked, well, we've got to understand what type of timeline we're, we're, we're dealing with. It's kind of like, hey, you got to be able to show proof somewhere down the line. It's like, yes, it's one thing to make a claim, but it's another thing to have the actual evidence backing it. And so it, it, it like to me, it seems like a situation of, hey, OK, well, if we're going to lock down anyone's domain, so domain owner's domain based on uh, some frivolous claim that was filed or, or made, to me, it, it makes sense of just saying, OK, listen, you got 14 business days or 14 days, period, to come up with with evidence, legal binding, legal standing evidence to, you know, substantiate your, your claim that this is true. If, if you can't do it, doggone it, we're unlocking these domains after that, that time period passes. Now, obviously, that I'm simplifying it quite a bit here, but well, you kind of get the point. I think, that's, I think that's an excellent potential solution. I mean, what you're getting at is the preponderance of evidence. You know, do, do, does, does evidence exist enough in their claim now to, to allow this claim to play out in a court? And right. because GoDaddy is going to be making decisions on assets outside the court, you know, they have to factor that in. I mean, otherwise, if somebody's got no evidence, then... I mean, we're just running around out here locking people up. <laughs> and, and literally, locking, literally. I mean, I don't like so-and-so. I mean, there's a lot of people that probably don't like me. I mean, I, you know, I mean, it's it's, it's going to be uh, potentially more petty, you know, and a lot, right. a lot of reasons, you know, just like I kind of go back to it. I think Twitter has its own cancel culture issues, not quite related to this, but it's the same thing. They look at your profile, they interpret it. They're the judge, jury, and executioner, and you're gone. 
that was kind of the more, you know, th there was a reason I think domains have really skyrocketed through COVID and really the industry's comeback is because people recognize that cancel culture risk that, that the asset class kind of protected from. But now, maybe not so much. You know, I think owners are maybe seeing that might not, you know, we, we can apparently be canceled from our own domains. And I'm glad Gabe GoDaddy said that they wouldn't cancel it. But that doesn't change the fact that their terms of service would allow them to cancel it. And there'd be basically nothing that the, the, the owner could do um, according to their terms of service. I mean, that's just problematic. If there's evidence to support that or we get a ruling or a court order, fine, lock it, change it, do it, do it the court orders. But yeah, you know, that's just a tough position for the industry to be um, with their terms of service right now. And this really puts the, I mean... It, talking about crosshairs here, I mean, it puts folks like yourself or really any premium and ultra premium owner. I mean, you're you're dead in in, in the crosshairs here. Uh, and and like you said, it doesn't matter whether or not we've known each other, whether or not we've had a relationship at one point in time. It's the it's the fact that I could say I don't like the fact that you own this domain and go file something. And here 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 we are having another conversation about a different domain. Now, that being said, though, I, it's, it seems like to me as, as you know, you, you start at the top of the food chain. A lot of people are in trouble about this, especially as days and hours and weeks and all this stuff passes and these domains remain locked. Now, it seems to me, though, the lower you go down the food chain, the risk is reduced or visibility is likely reduced. But it still doesn't stop it from happening because you could be the owner of uh, Joe's Bedroom and Mattresses dot com and somebody's just like, you know what? I don't like you. Locked. That's it. You know, I mean, I mean, and, and you know, I, to be fair to GoDaddy, I think they're in it again. They're in a difficult position, maybe one that they've induced uh, or, or made bigger than it could have been. But to be fair, I mean, they've got thousands, tens of thousands of divorces, court cases, litigation, UDRPs, you know, uh, uh, deaths, probate, kind of going hey. back to many of the different items we talked about in the previous show, you know, all these things that can happen to an owner's portfolio by, you know, that so they had a heart attack and no family, it's got to go through probate and the state's got to decide. GoDaddy's got to get all these situations they've got to interpret and, and get right and legally, you know, process. So I, I get they've got I get they've got a lot on their plate. I mean, and they're one of the biggest registrars in the world and and you know for a reason, but that doesn't pull back the issue here that we're now uncovering in the sense that, you know, people know how to abuse this and people know how to take advantage of it. And yeah, I think that one of the best solutions would be, look, unless you can show us, you know, what GoDaddy would interpret as substantial evidence you know, or something that, that points to their position. I mean, then you got 14 days after that. I mean, we, we can't lock the names anymore. And in my opinion, I really don't even think they should lock the names to begin with. I mean, it, unless a, a case is challenging ownership, you know, it's like if, if you go out, you know, if, I, if somebody comes to your property and they slip and fall on your property, Alvin, you know, heaven forbid, but they sue you. You know, that doesn't mean you go down in Austin and now your title is, is frozen to your property. You can still buy and sell your property just because this suit, you know, this thing happened. That, that slip and fall doesn't automatically a trigger, oh, you know, a freeze. I can't sell my house and go to Costa Rica now. That's, that's not how it really works in other asset classes, but with domains, 
because it's a technology, because of the terms of service, they basically write their way into being able to do, you know, and take whatever position they feel like. And I'm glad through this show and other pieces of press with the situation, we've been able to bring a serious light to the situation. It's problematic for owners, you know, as we've talked on, but hopefully so, one that GoDaddy can find its way home to. So, so, so let's take that example then. Let's, let's walk through that one because that's, that's an interesting one. If, if GoDaddy does not lock domains, right? Let's think, what's the worst that could actually happen? I mean, I guess you transfer to another registrar. That would be, you know, that would be out of their control. And GoDaddy's protecting themselves from liability, supposedly. Right. That, that transfer taking place. So they don't want to be held liable if the domain is transferred out while an ongoing dispute was in process during their registry of it. But if it is transferred out and it is transferred to another registrar, let's just say in this example, they transfer from GoDaddy to Namecheap. And correct me if I'm incorrect here, but I think in that transfer, doesn't the domain actually get locked for 60 days? There would be there would be a lock for 60 days. That's correct. And then there would also be still the requirement that the registry would have to follow a court order. So if Namecheap or whatever the registry got from the updated resolution in India, got the updated, you know, you got to transfer this name or you got to cancel the name, then that registry would have to follow that at that time. But it's kind of being held hostage because that's not the case. You know, the court hasn't spoken. So I don't know. If you don't lock it, it just becomes the next registry's responsibility. And you right. know, domains are bought and sold, moved around all day, every day. It, does, it just doesn't seem... Unless but then it's challenging the ownership, we shouldn't, you know, or, or the current use, the illegitimate use, illegal criminal criminal use, then you know, locking the name just doesn't seem. It seems more problematic than 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 not. Right. Well, it it, it seems to me in that case, I'm like, okay, well, if it, if it does, if it did move from GoDaddy, it moved to Namecheap, and then got locked for sixty days. Now, obviously, I guess there could be a situation somebody calls up, they finagle something, and it gets it moved from Namecheap to Dynadot. So we're all, yeah. Uh, or you go from Dynadot to, to one and one or you know, so it, it could spend its days hopping around. Although I would likely state that by then, by likely by that third transfer, like a news story has broke. And so people probably go, we don't want to touch it. And, that, and that's where, you know, the other kind of really major drawback is with this situation. Now, those names, even though they're locked, and even if they get unlocked, I mean, it's kind of damaged goods, you know? I mean, people right. don't want to buy names that have had, it's like buying a car that's been in two accidents before, you know? I mean, exactly. People don't want to, you know, hey, man, I'll just go get this other car, you know? I mean. And the internet remembers. And, and they don't forget. I mean, and, and they and they don't forget. Um, and that's, you know, when you're dealing in millions of dollars, you know, uh, per transaction or, or, you know, even millions of dollars in, you know, some portfolio setting, that's a major factor. You know, you're not going to get just some buyer to be like not forgetting to do that homework. You know, right. That's, that's and also could it could it be a it. could it be a buyer that looks and says, well, I don't want to now deal with the seller. Yeah, like, I mean, forget the domain. I just don't want to deal with the seller on any ground. 
I mean, look, and all the thoughts that people are having about GoDaddy, you know, but just by simple nature of how, you know, this has been brought to light. I mean, yeah, they're surely going to have that about the, the person's names who are locked. I mean, oh, you know, these names were locked before. You know, I don't necessarily want to buy a name who's been through that, you know, um, issue. One name that I've worked on for uh, over a decade now is speedtest.com. Nobody wants to touch that name because it's been through about three different types of litigation in, in like four like four different jurisdictions. You got moved around. Like nobody wants it. So wow. you know, there's definitely that risk of how it impacts the future value of the relationship, of the asset, and even of the registry. You know, people just might not want to do business there in that way if that's how it's going to be. So then with things where they're at today, for listeners that are listening, domain brokers, domain developers, domain investors, even end users at this point, they've listened to this entire show. And so the 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 obvious question that that hangs here, that looming, that hangs looming is uh what does a person do to protect themselves against this type of nonsense? Well, you know, if you're or is buy- there anything that can be done? it's tough. It's tough because, you know, I can see a way, you know, I, I, I'm, I come from a cybersecurity background, penetration testing, finding vulnerable uh, holes into a system. That's something that I've done in a lot of different setups. And with this system, with the way the domain system is set up, it is real, you can't really protect yourself from the vulnerability. If somebody doesn't know you, who doesn't have a history with you and doesn't have evidence, can file a case in any jurisdiction and freeze your asset, the only real thing you can do to protect yourself is, number one, be it a registrar that is going to at least review it with your ownership interest in mind. That's a name chief. That's an epic. And and to some extent, I, I even see a way GoDaddy could, could, could fix this and, and, and potentially even be the superhero. If they changed the policy and said, hey, wait a second, we've got too much power. The registries are taking too much power from owners. We need to protect the future of this industry by giving that power back, you know, through the terms of service, through their rights. I think they could come out a superhero, you know, that might not, that might not, that might not play out that way. They could even make a, you know, some sort of charitable donation, you know, to the ICA or some, some organization that could promote, you know, these rights and, and, and better protection and reform. Um, of these situations, but you know, I, I I'd be shocked if they did. That that would be lovely um, a solution to all of this. But yeah, it's 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 really difficult to protect yourself from this. And if you've got a target on your back, like maybe VPN.com does. Yeah, I mean, cut governments, people, businesses, you know, any which way. Somebody you know may have a problem with a VPN, or you know, somebody getting on you know, some service with their VPN and that upsets you. And then, you know, boom, they've got enough now to leave to lock it. And then what? I don't, I don't know. I haven't, I don't know. Owners need to be aware of, they need to be talking about this more. This is a problem. And so those would be, you know, some of the steps in terms of, of safeguarding, but let's say, Hey, somebody's listened to this and, you know, you've got a whole new case that has happened. So somebody brings a case or files a claim against you like, what should that person do? Well, the first thing I would recommend anytime you get any sort of legal documentation is read it yourself. If it's outside your normal bounds of operating, get an attorney. You know, some people can handle things themselves. Some people need an attorney. If you haven't done it before, I'd recommend, 
you know, one of the top IP attorneys in, in the domain industry. We've got a list on vpn.com. I'll, I'll give to Alvin as well. But yeah, I mean, we spoke to Brett Lewis about this. We spoke to John Berryhill about this, two very prominent IP domain attorneys um, in North America. Usually they'll be able to get you pointed in the right direction. If you got to go the litigation route, which it seems like this situation may, that might change as to how you go, you know, which attorney actually does that. But yeah, I would, I would recommend either one of those, Brett or, or John Berryhill. Ari Goldberg, that's another great one too. There's some good attorneys in this space. Zach Muscovich, who we were talking about earlier on the show. I've done work with all of them and they can help someone in that situation. But I guess the other best thing you can do is just kind of stay away from crazy people. Um, yeah. Try not to engage with crazy people. Uh, unfortunately, Puneet and Brent have just a sad aspect of, of consequence that can right. come up when, when craziness brews. GoDaddy, here they are, you know, and their policy is smack dab in the middle of it. So we'll see how it plays out. We'll definitely see that. And then does it make sense for, for that person that, that a, a claim has been filed? Obviously, you know, a, a new story broke. Um, obviously, we're doing this podcast. Name Pros had posts. Does it make sense to draw uh, attention to it? I, on one side, I can argue that it does because the whole industry needs to be aware of something like this. But then on the flip side of that matter, which we discussed moments ago, which is like, yeah, but you could also be damaging your goods. So, I mean, what do we say? That, that's exactly why we didn't go public with this story a lot earlier. I mean, James and I were speaking two weeks ago before the story broke and, you know, the, the, the idea of releasing it really kind of came up when there was just no other option for Brent to kind of take to get his names back. I mean, I mean, aside from a lawsuit, and I think a lawsuit is just with the, this situation is just a real mess. So, you know, putting the story out there, putting the truth out there, letting people see this for themselves, that's, you know, the truth is, is, is going to position the story the way it needs to be positioned. And if GoDaddy needs to change their policy as a result, then, you know, it's probably better to go the PR route through that than, than litigating that. Litigating is just a mess for everybody. And right. I don't think it's, it's to an amicable solution quickly. I mean, if we got to litigate, you know, that's, that's unfortunate. Um, Brent, I don't, I don't, doesn't want to, but right. what else do you do? What else is an owner to do at this point? Defend your property. And it's certainly going to cost them more than the that that eleven dollars and twenty eight cents Chick Fil A combo that I referenced earlier. I'm like, if he goes the litigation route in the states, like that's costing that's getting deep into his pockets. Oh yeah, minimum twenty five thousand dollars out of the gate just to get it positioned. That per name? No, that that'll be for the whole defense of it. But you'd probably so if you were to go about you know it in this way, what I would do, and this is just a decision that that you know, Brent's going to have to make is, you know, getting a declaratory judgment. This could be another route owners have used. I've personally used this to protect myself, but a declaratory judgment, when somebody files a UDRP, when somebody files a lawsuit against you, you can counterclaim, basically, you can respond in a declaratory judgment, meaning, you know, the, the, the judge would have to cite facts and declare that this is true about the case. He could get a declaratory judgment saying that, hey, this lawsuit is frivolous. Um, these locks as a result are frivolous. That may be a route um, that is good enough for GoDaddy's policy the way it sits to protect itself. But that again makes, you know, you've got you've got to 
you got to get GoDaddy and Puneet legally sued, you know, and that's, that's just a, if you go, once you go, once you go there, it's tough to come back. Um, it's tough to come back and given the authority, you know, if Brent sues GoDaddy, now GoDaddy's got even more reason to be pissed at him. And then yeah, now your <laughs> name's canceled, gone, auction. I mean, who knows what would happen, but <laughs> that situation was, you know, we've, we've been trying to avoid that at all costs. Well, certainly. Well, man, to wrap things up, I mean, is there anything else that you'd like to share with listeners? No, I, I appreciate you having us on the, the show, Alvin. Um, we were just delighted to be able to share this today. I know there's a lot to this story that even people in the industry are just now becoming aware, but having sat through it for a year, um, Brent's a great client. We work with a lot of people like Brent at vpn.com slash domains. But if you need help um, with a premium name, give us a holler. If you have a you know, uh, a legal situation in need of some help. I'll get that link over to Alvin so he can get that in the description too. But uh, I love domains. I love this industry. I love, I love Brent. I love GoDaddy. So I hope, I hope that this situation <laughs> can find its way to, you know, a good stable resolution that owners can, can depend on for, you know, years and decades to come because this asset class can't be canceled. We cannot have that happen to this asset class. And it takes owners speaking up about this and people like yourself, Alvin, to have people on to share this story um, to, to, to prevent that kind of doomsday situation from happening. So thank you. And thank you, everybody, for, uh, for listening today. Um, my email is michael at vpn.com if you need anything at all. Yep. And with that, we're out of time. So thank you listeners for tuning in to Kickstart Commerce, where we share search marketing and domain name strategies to help grow your business. Please subscribe to this podcast via iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, or Podbean. Last but not least, please visit kickstartcommerce.com to subscribe to the newsletter sharing tips and tricks about the disciplines of digital strategy. Thanks. And that's all for now.